0: Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Francie, and I'm the CEO of the Real Estate Investment Network. In addition to being a business owner, I'm also a real estate investor, I'm a coach, I'm a husband, I'm a very proud grandfather. And along with that, I'm also committed to stretching beyond what I've already achieved and of living a fulfilled life by continuing to make a positive difference in the world. I invite you to join me to listen in on the Everyday Millionaire podcast as I interview and have conversations with seemingly ordinary individuals who have achieved some pretty extraordinary results, whether it be in their life, in their business, in real estate. And it's here where I'm gonna delve into the details of their journey, along with the paths they've traveled to get where they are today, and as importantly, where they intend to go in the future. My guests are here to inspire, They're here to help you learn by talking about what's real for them, both in their wins and in their challenges, from the life and the lifestyle they live to the person they had to become along the way in creating and building their financial futures for themselves and their families. Before I begin this episode, I'll start by first thanking you for listening in and for your support and the feedback you provide us on the show, as well as to Ask you to please continue to send your comments, your suggestions, or your questions directly to me at ceincanada.com. At that is ceo at reincanada.com. And if you're inclined, please share this podcast with your friends, or your family, and with people you know, or perhaps even people you don't know. Rate the show and comment on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you happen to use to listen in. And while you're at it, please follow me on the Everyday Millionaire Facebook page. So thanks again for the feedback you provide us. It's definitely appreciated. Okay, let's get on with this show and have a conversation with today's guest. My guest today, Dr. Mark B. Cooper, worked in the domain of self-awareness for more than 30 years. His professional career includes private practice periodontist, researcher, teacher, practice management consultant, and far more than even all of that. Today, Mark's principal commitments are in educating, developing, and training entrepreneurs and senior executives of emerging or established managed group practices. He is the author of eight books, he is the founder and CEO of MBC Consultants, and he is an award-winning coach, having worked with hundreds of professionals over his extensive and extended career. Mark's coach, CEOs, senior executive, boards of directors, medical and dental entrepreneurs, And has produced significant results for them, with them, in their businesses and their personal lives. His quote, if you want to produce the results you want, you'll have to be who you've never been before. Do things you've never done before and operate at a level you've never achieved before. And as a coach, that's my job. My guest, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Cooper, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. Good to meet you, because this is really the first time that I have met you.
1: Good to meet you. It, uh, it was an opening challenge for me. I was like, well, I had no history to come with this conversation. Yeah.
0: We're the well,
1: yeah. well, this will be good, because it, I don't know. I can't pre-plan anything. I have to be here at the moment. And those... Times are rare sometimes, is to be in the moment. (laughs) It is, isn't it? I'm here
0: in the moment. Perfect. Love it. Now, we met through a mutual friend, like we met virtually right now, through a mutual friend, Alan Kahn, and uh, who, you know, as soon as he said, hey, I've got a guy that you need to have on your show, uh, Mark Cooper, I said, I'll make it happen, because I just trust Alan and uh, who Alan is, so I'm really, really happy to have you on the show.
1: Let me put in a plug for Alan.
0: <laughs> He's a good guy. And we
1: just led a we just let a three day course uh, titled Conscious Culture. Uh, because most awesome. cultures are unconscious and generated by default. And so I really love Alan. What occurs as one matures in the things that we do, is that you give yourself more permission to be yourself rather than to be like another who has done the same thing you do. Mm. So the, when you gain mastery, you give, there's more freedom. It's like, well, I'll just do what I do. Alan does Alan.
0: Alan does Alan. Alan, well.
1: Alan does Alan the best He's the best Alan, Alan I, know. I know.
0: He's the best Alan Khan. I know. That exactly. Alan. <laughs> so, so Mark, let's, you know, this is going to be, I'm really, really looking forward to this conversation by the way. So, um, but let's give our listeners a little bit of your background um, you know, what do you do? And and when people are asking you, what does Mark Cooper do? How do you answer that question?
1: I, I wish they would add a word to that, which is what do you do now?
0: Oh, OK, great. So <laughs> what do you do now, Mark? What, <laughs> that's what do that's you a you different now? question.
1: What I do now is bring wisdom because I have begun to engage with it to the areas of concern and issue and trouble for people. Because wisdom has a certain perspective that allows for easier resolution or forwarding the action in particular areas. Um, and I believe it's often missing in our, certainly in our culture. But in the, in, since I work in the business world, that's what I do now. I think I bring with so to really if I had to nail it down to then what do you do now? I bring wisdom to the people that I work with.
0: Now, how did you get here? Because you've got M um, B C uh, Consultants, I believe is the name of your firm or or Yes, it is. It's only a year it's only a year old. Oh, year old. So this well, is really what do nine, I do? Now. Ten months now. Now, give me a little bit of your background. What was, the, what was the journey to this today? Did you have a corporate background? Were you, did you, did you own other know, businesses? What was a little I, bit of I your background? You have I have a
1: little <laughs> We're time.
0: We're here, man. We're here. We're here. <laughs> the, the um,
1: one of my heroes is uh, Joseph Campbell, who wrote The Hero's Journey. Sure. Wonderful. And one of the things that he says is, if you see your steps clearly on the path, it's the wrong path. Mm. So only when you look backwards can you see how those things were put together to get you where you are now. That's very helpful in terms of determining your future. I started out in, uh, I went to high school, college, and dental school, all on the same street in Philadelphia. I moved to Seattle, Washington in 1966 and went on for a graduate degree and a, uh, a degree in immunology. And from there, I went into basic science research and academics, followed by a career because it was during the Vietnam War where I signed up for this thing called the Berry Plan, which means we won't draft you, but you give us service when you're done. I tried not to be done, but it didn't work. I, <laughs> had, to, I had to go. Two years as a clinician in my specialty area, came back and bought a dental practice. At the same time that I got um, financially successful doing that, I began to wonder, is this all there is? I, I, I could see that if I followed this path, yes, I'd have the boat. Yes, I'd have this. yes. I could. Was that going to give me a life that would be fulfilling? So I began to explore other areas of world and going to india and going to japan and doing trainings and hanging out with people that you it it wasn't about how to be a better businessman or make more money or do the what i did technically better it was about how to be what is a human being and what does that mean and how to become a better human being so that's kind of what brought me through the business expressions that i've had
0: now, was there now? Th- just to interrupt here a little bit, Mark. Is is as you go down that journey? Because in all of what you've done over the years, uh, you know, you're talking science, you're talking, you know, some really heady kind of stuff, some real intellectual kind of horsepower that you're putting behind all of this. And as you're evolving, developing, you know, we sit here today, you know, many many years later. Um, <laughs> <how> d- <laughs> I don't take that as a compliment. I do take it. It is meant as a compliment. Um, And we're talking, you know, you're having a conversation around consciousness or being conscious, being present, Um, understanding that, you know, you go from that, that's a kind of a more spiritual journey or a more heartfelt journey than it is an intellectual journey. Although it always requires some intellect. Was there a tipping point for you in, in, in that whole journey? Did something, did you wake up one day and go, gosh, you know, this isn't working for me or this is working for me, but there's got to be more. What what took you on this path? As you look on Campbell's journey of, you know, you know, the hero's journey and you look on the past, you know.
1: There have been multiple of those mm-hmm. conversations that occur that alter who you are and what you do. The first one for me that I could recognize, I call it the June Ditmore moment. okay. And what the June Didmore moment is, is that I had an extraordinary woman come into me when I was a periodontist and sit down in my chair and I did my examination and I could not save her teeth because she had been maltreated and neglected for for years with dentists. I can't say it broke my heart. What I could say is it pissed me off. And then I realized in the in the work that I was doing at that moment that ultimately nothing changes unless you're responsible for it. Nothing changes unless you're responsible for it. So I saw if I'm going to change it so that she gets the appropriate care, i got to change the dentist. How the hell do I do that? Well, I was in the moment of doing the S training at that time with, with Alan, actually, close by.
0: So give people the S training because not, you know, that's, uh, werner Earhart, but i don't remember what the est Earhart the... seminar training that's right okay great which is which then led into landmark
1: which is which has morphed itself into landmark yeah. which is a very really good model actually
0: yeah great work okay.
1: yeah so the the message came how so integrity became more important more vibrant more visible in my life that was from my culture and my family system as well but now it was like okay what are you going to do about it and so that's how it started my journey to learning how to work with people to have them see the world in ways they hadn't seen it before because how one sees the world is how one acts in the world and mastering all of the mastering enough elements models and methodologies to be able to people to look inwardly first to see why they've made up that interpretation of whatever they're working on or doing and then to see if there are other choices available and then work out the pathway to fulfill those new choices and you know that's basically what i'm doing now i'm happy to package it as wisdom because it's
0: sexy (laughs) (laughs) But but well you know and 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 of course wisdom comes uh, you know a lot of wisdom comes with years on the earth but it it does come with realizations as well i've you know i've been blessed to interview a couple of uh, very young people on the show and i'm and i'm blown away by their wisdom at you know 35 years old just as i
1: I agree totally agree wisdom is not age related no Uh, is a way one sees oneself and the world there are pathways to get to generate greater wisdom Mm -hmm. um and, and then that can be facilitated but wisdom is a way you see the world it comes with something that's sometimes not in alignment with your personality profile you know you are not one of those
0: yeah. Let me, let, let's go back a little bit. I, you know, I love the way, uh, you know, I got a lot of entry points in this conversation, Mark, that I want to take it to. Cause I think there's some, r- I know there's some huge value in, in just in my own values, my own belief systems around certain things. And, you know, the show is always about seemingly ordinary people achieving extraordinary results. It's really built to support people in achieving extraordinary results. But, you know, as I as I meet with my guests and get to know them a little bit, I also like to look at their journey and, and well, how the hell did you get here? Now, you talk about a kind of a, a fork of the road, which was a, a client that you had, a, a patient that you had, and it pissed you off. And you go, I've got to make, I got to change something. But you're talking about, no, did you look at it as I'm going to change a dental industry or did you look at it, I'm going to start showing up differently, doing different things, and then that will have an effect on the industry so were you pissed off like i'm going to change this mess because the system's broken and the industry's that, broken that great,
1: that's a wonderful question so the expression everything happens for a purpose sure that one there that lives over somewhere or you know good things happen over here or it happened at the right time at the right place like that so what i was in the in the midst of was one of one of my axioms that I find true for myself is context is decisive. So I found if you change the context, everything changes within it. That could be a whole other conversation. I was in the context of the S training that was up to transforming the world and ending hunger on the planet. That was the context that I was engaged with. So when I look from the issue that came up for me, I look within that context. I wanted to change the industry and in fact have to a certain degree. Not to where I wanted it to be at all, but I impacted
0: it, and so yeah. Give me a little bit of a time frame, Mark. How old were you at that time?
1: I was a I was a periodontist till I was age thirty six or thirty eight, somewhere in there, um, and doing pretty well at it, by the way. Yeah. But I, as again, as I said in the beginning. I could see the dotted, I could see the trend line where I would be when I would be 50 or 60 or that. And that for me, was not going to be a life well lived.
0: When did you have the realization, you know, so you're, you you have that moment in time where you've got this patient, you're pissed off, you're like let down, you make a decision there. Did you carry on in the industry or did you start to morph out of the industry? How did you start to implement the, the, I guess, the changes that you wanted to see? What What was your path forward from there?
1: It's always interesting. That's a great question. It's a what did you do question. What I have found, and this is part of, I think, my accumulation of some wisdom, is the answer is never outside. It's always inside.
0: 100%.
1: Okay so you know to what, where to go next would be trying to figure out what to do but if I change what I see will be different and it will inform me of what to do. So I know that if I change myself I change how I operate in the world. so I begin to do and still do a huge amount of work on myself. I find that's where the gold is not out there
0: <laughs> well that's you know and and I so this is a, a kind of a cool, part of this conversation because when i asked the question what did you do my intention of the question was not to actually say what did you do like oh i picked up this pen" or i you know i started writing letters you know i'm already in the conversation for me is what did you do which is to say i started looking inside and working on me knowing that i'm you know I'm going to be the change that I want to see in the world. In the world, yeah. And as so as you know, so it's interesting. But I, I want to keep going to that pivotal moment because I think that sometimes there are people that step over those moments. They second guess. They hear the whisper. They hear that sense of stuff. And but I want to go back to something that for me is really important. This is this conversation. No no no, 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 no,
1: no. You're in a really good role, role right there because you didn't get to the end of it. But the question at the end is important for people to hear, which is when they run into whatever that is that everyone runs into, what gives them the courage to step over the line to go forward when they don't have a lot of agreement?
0: That is a great question, and I, and I agree with it. Uh, I I'm actually was going to that question, but my conversations often are circular, so I'll get back to that question. Hold that. Hold that. <laughs> Because, well, you're
1: in charge. It's okay. You can do whatever you
0: like. <laughs> yes. It's my show, damn it. No, the the, <laughs> the point is this, Mark, is that I see often because of the coaching and the work that I do and I've done in my life is I see that, and I've had this happen to me. So as I go back, this is actually conversation is about me. We hit those pivotal moments and we're not grounded in our values and really clear on who we are and that we're compromising or that we're out of integrity By not doing something like, you know, you got to it and you said to remain in integrity, to honor my values, to honor who I am. I can't fucking continue this way. I got to stop. So hold that thought for a second. Go back. How did you get there? How did you, was this an upbringing? Was this a a parent thing? Like, I want to know a little bit about how Uh, you got there.
1: Let's address that. That's Because I, this is I'm writing my memoir.
0: Not that anyone will ever read it.
1: (laughs) But what I found in, I I do a lot of writing. For me, it's painting with words and rethinking what I thought. When you ask a painter, walk by a forest and and watch some, and just look at the trees, what you see is green. Sit sit by a painter for a while and what they have is blues and yellows and all different hues to make up that green. They see the subtlety of that. Mm -hmm. In my world, I'm Jewish. And so there's a, the, the, there's the Holocaust and there's the programs that I, I that came with all of the lineage that I and her, that's from my ancestors. And one of the couple of things that they've said and has been inherited from generation to generation is two things. They can't take your education away from you. And if you become a professional, you'll have a much better chance of being successful. Okay. So those were my birth, that's a birthright. And my father happened to be a warrior, first generation, took care of his family, went through the immigrant route and from tenant to ghetto to small house to the success that he achieved. And he was a man of integrity. And that was the foremost value that he held. And he operated, his behavior reflected that. So that was... In the, always in the background and always pulsing. I wasn't always integritous, especially as a teenager, but, you know, it, it, it was there. Mm-hmm. And then the people that I was working with, particularly in Landmark, you know, that was their main theme. So everything began to gel in a larger fashion and larger fashion for me. Integrity became my the flag that I ran onto the field with. That was my flag. And then other values began to occur. You made an interesting statement I can't remember it, of course, but you said this is first and then values something, 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 something. I, I'm going to go the other way. If, you, if you're really focusing on your core values, if you're really considering what is your purpose, why are you here? The things that you, you can't solve that issue from where you're looking at it if you look more at yourself that issue morphs and you have greater access to being able to address it successfully so it's really always about you it's just always about you and if it's going on out there it's it's being caused by you now what are you going to do about it
0: so that conversation is uh, you know like i love that conversation but in 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 the context of just in general people understanding because of the work that you've done uh I, you know i would ask you that how many people or how often do you actually bump up uh against the the fact that people don't even know or understand what their core values are they actually don't know that they're not even living their values that they're living somebody else's values and they don't even discover that until somebody says hey do you know that you've got a choice of what values you live and they question their values and then they realize that they're parents' values or or grandparents. There's always historical family stuff, or not always, but I would yeah, say most, most full,
1: of the time. This is a full day of work. Yeah, we do So I, I do a lot of core value work with people because you fit all the nails on the head. Um, they haven't been created themselves. Sometimes they've been inherited and believed without being questioned. I understand that. But sometimes that's valuable too. That's valuable to either choose it at a certain point as well. My belief, and again, I could certainly be wrong, as the core values are superior Ordinate Core values decide how you decide.
0: I agree. And I I love the conversation because I think there's so much in this conversation that's of value to people. And because of the work you're doing, and, and I've done values work for Twenty over twenty years, and and I did some initial work. I don't know if you knew Doctor G, uh, Doctor uh, D Martini, John D Martini, and and anyways, I I did a lot of that core values work, and it was really important for me at the time. But I also came to realize that I know nothing, and I really uh, under I thought I knew what my values were, and it's just layers and layers of stuff depending on upbringing and all the rest of it. But people don't even know that they're out of integrity with their with their values because they don't really know that what underlying is their true values, but they're operating on top of values that aren't there. So this conversation gets quite kind of convoluted and deep, or it can for some. My question for you, uh, Mark, is if you were, because of the work you do, how would you define a core value? For somebody who doesn't really understand necessarily the values conversation, how do you define a value? Because we we operate because we understand it or we believe we do. But how do, what about somebody who doesn't even really get it?
1: Well, I'll tell you how I do it.
0: Sure, that'd be great.
1: I find a place that touches their heart, and I'm going to give an example. Touches their heart to such a depth that they wouldn't screw around with it. It has it's a value that that determines who they are. I, I just led this piece of work, and we had someone who was uh, an Orthodox Jew, um, and they don't eat on Fridays, and they do, and they can't take notes. So the exercises that we were doing, they couldn't write down. And he couldn't get what core values are at what, how you and I are speaking about them at this moment. So I came over to him and I said, uh, I, I want to honor you for following the discipline and the, with the intention to keep sacred that your your belief about Friday and Saturday and how you know the Jewish folks honor this, I said, how does that feel? And you could see he was touched. He was moved. He was like, oh, you know, like it was was who he was. And I pointed to that and I said, now that's a core value. Mm -hmm. That's what it feels like. Because core values have feelings. Core values have thoughts. Core values have behaviors. Core values are their own world. One of the things, do you know who Robert Fritz is at all? Do you know
0: that guy? I don't. I'm not familiar with that name. Robert, a, how do you spell the last name?
1: F-R-I-T-Z.
0: Fritz, no.
1: he does a He does a body of work, which I found. Not, and I, we did it recently. He said, um, uh, behavior is a function of structure. And I've been engaged in that, that thought for you know, reading his book. I get read his books and all that. But from my point of view, what I what I understood is, is that if it, there was a structure to hold it in place, it would be sustainable. So one of the things we do in our, the work I, I'm doing now is we have for the core values are distinguished in the way that has depth, emotion, clarity. And I also ask the question, when you reach a core value, how does it make you feel? Because the core values live at that level. So when you breach one, how do you know? You know, What does it make you feel like?
0: When you talk about behavior being, um, I, I don't remember your exact words, behavior being... Uh... Function of, structure. function of structure. Now, when you talk, when you use the word structure, do you are you referring to environment?
1: No. Well, well, could be. It's part of it. So the uh, the uh, metaphors and analogies he uses is it, the river bank determines the flow of the river.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not going to go to the out of the bank. So the so those banks represent structure. The piece I do is I show him how if I if you had to get from where you're sitting to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota all the things you'd have to do, but you'd have to take an airplane, you'd have to go to an airport, you'd have to do Those would all determine your behavior as you went through it to get to your destination. So a structure determines your behavior. You're not going to fly there by yourself. You need transportation of a different order. So he means, in my interpretation, he means building structures that reinforce and generate the behavior that you're looking for and for me, it's to be those behaviors that exonerate and express the core values. So that's what I mean.
0: And the reason I asked the question is because um, I don't remember the exact quote, but I'll use behavior is also a result of environment. And so as an example that I was given in that is that when you walk into a church, you're inclined to whisper. Because of the environment. I, I,
1: I'm not disagreeing with that whatsoever. Yeah. I, I, I think
0: it's an, the reason I think it's an interesting, the reason I'm kind of digging into this a little bit, Mark, is because, you know, I know in that in what you're, or I believe I know, I have some understanding of what you're doing today and in, in your training and your corporate training and the work that you're doing with leaders and all of the rest of it. You know, the the conversation about values and the conversation about environment structure uh, you know how do we drive success because you know people that are listening to this particular podcast you know as much as they're they're entrepreneurs they're real estate investors they're you know individuals that are trying to elevate their game be better than they are today but we get caught in the conversation because i'm literally i literally speak to as you do hundreds really thousands of people and over the years here's what i've learned as we do this kind of coaching and this kind of development is people keep going back to this tell me more how-tos give me another strategy give me another tactic tell me what i need to do in business to drive sales where and it's really hard to communicate and this is why i'm really excited to have you on the show today and having this conversation is how do we and how do you in what you're doing as a leader how do you get other leaders grounded in a conversation that says it isn't about another strategy it isn't an- another tactic not that those things don't matter But if you're the pointy end of the arrow, you got to look at who you're being, how you're being, how you're leading, looking at your core values, looking at the environment and culture that you're creating. That is a conversation that fires me up and gets me excited because I see that in how it makes a difference to individuals. But how do you get that message out to people?
1: Great question. It's not a universal message. That's one. So everybody thinks they have to save the world. I can't. So if you're looking for a savior, I'm too short, I'm too old. <laughs> you. There, there are certain people that are ready. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a CEO who's been in it 32 years. He's climbed the ladder. He's been all the way through the C-suite. He's been in his fourth organization. You know, and he's looking around, and he's got all these responsibilities, and he's got all these VPs, and he's got all these directors, and he's reporting to a board. And he says, you know, and and it's and it's effortful. What I have found is going to give them a greater capacity to deal with all that stuff is not to change that stuff, but to change who they are that deals with that stuff. And my findings are certain people have to reach a threshold of, you know what, I, I, this isn't working. I can't do more of this. or they're, and, and they start to wonder more about themselves my assessment with people is really unique. I want to find out if they're ready
0: Mm.
1: because if they're not ready, it's, you know, you can't change people who aren't ready to change. It's really pretty simple. As soon as they begin to realize that part of the problem is more likely them than the others, as soon as they get, Oh, you know, maybe I got something to do with this thing. As soon as it becomes, you know, self-focused when you can open up the door to self-awareness, So when I'm talking to people and they speak and we're talking, you know, why are you calling me? And I go through the shtick you go to probably. But there's a point about three, mid, 10 minutes in when they sit and you start to, you start to hear, are they speaking from the place of responsibility or are they speaking from the Uh place of blame? Yeah. Because if they're speaking for it's all the fault of the board and I don't have good PPs and the executive and I'm underfunded and the market is really tight where I am when I hear all of that, yeah, that may be true.
0: Yeah.
1: But who are they? they're looking for a strategy. You can't copy your way into the
0: future. You know, there's, this is, I love this conversation and because I could go on, you know, like, I think it's so valuable for, you know, first off, you know, people approach and they come to you at some level because they have a level of dissatisfaction, uh, unhappiness, you know, they're, they're not okay with what's happening. To your point, you've met lots of CEOs, you know, C-suite guys that, have probably made many millions of dollars, but live today unhappy or dissatisfied, and so they show up and they go, you know, something's got to change. And to your point, you know, are they ready to have a conversation about, you know, really true, authentic uh, responsibility, you know, and ownership, and and we hear it in language and. There's no hiding behind language. I mean, we both know that. You've been around uh, long enough to understand that that is the telltale right there. Is Who are you having the conversation with? Are you having it with a guy that or a person that is actually looking outside of themselves saying the, the world is the problem? Or are they looking at it going, I got to change what I'm doing and who I'm being because it isn't working for me anymore. Like, Can, can you get to that level of awareness early on? And, and really that's the the foundation of your work I think is it not mark I think I'll
1: let you do my marketing <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the answer is yeah I mean people who real they have succeeded in everything that they've done thinking that the success would relieve a certain discomfort that they have mm-hmm. and as they moved up this ladder of success that discomfort not only got uh, became more discomforting. Mm-hmm. And they go well, well. What what else is there? I know how to do this success route. And then there's a questions come up for them, and they hear things. Oh, you asked for a pivotal moment. Do you mind if I go way oh, back? Oh, please, please do, okay. please do. I had a friend named Robert. I was in the healthcare community, and he was a physician, and he uh, I believe in pediatrics at that point. And he handed me a book by Raul Dahl. Raul Dahl is a um, children's writer, pretty popular. But he also wrote this book called The Mind Parasites. And I believe it was like 1967. And I read this book. And the theme of this book was, you don't think your own thoughts. None of, you, know, you just don't think your own thoughts. You know? But he did it in a very sci-fi, engaging way for me. Mm-hmm. And then I, when I really looked at it, and I was pretty young, it was like, wow. Most of the thoughts that I have are my parents' thoughts. And most of the thoughts I have are what my peers have. And most of the thoughts I have, but do I have my own thoughts? Do I really think for myself? And I guess you could say that was a pivotal moment when that question arose. Pivotal moments come up with questions. Like, oh, mm-hmm. that question was never there before, but now it is. And now that it's here, that's an indicator for me that growth is occurring because it's discomforting question. It's like, whoa.
0: That's not the one I wanted. I wanted wanted know what car to buy. That's yeah. Um, oh, you know, it's interesting many years ago, uh, I, I was always a big Wayne Dyer fan, but I remember early on in my kind of own personal spiritual growth and development, I don't know what book I read of Wayne Dyer's, but he asked the question, who is the thinker of the thoughts? And it was really quite profound for me at that moment. I'd never considered it.
1: Have you done meditation?
0: Have you done any meditation? I do. I meditate every day or almost every day. I shouldn't, that's, that would be bullshit. I, I, I (laughs) almost, (laughs) I always try and do even a short meditation, but lately I've been on a, on a very pretty consistent track of meditation and I do different. I, I was trained in TM many years ago, but I've practiced different types of meditation.
1: But but then you know how to see a thought.
0: Of course. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But it was, it's even putting it out there into the conversation of of having people ask themselves that question or to realize. So uh, one of my favorite books, and, and I go back to it often, is uh, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. I think it's just a, I love the book. And you, can, once you've read it, you can open it up anywhere. It's one of those books that doesn't matter where you open it, it's got something that day that's meaningful. So before we go off on a tangent, so I want to go back to some of the work that you're, you've are you done. You've worked with a lot of people. How do you, first off, this at this point in your life, um how do you define success do you have a definition for it
1: yeah i do i do i do let me tell you that let's spend some time here please because you you, you've used the word success a lot in this interaction and that's okay
0: oh i haven't noticed i didn't notice that so uh, well
1: that's okay you
0: you hear your video i'll hear it i'll hear it (laughs)
1: um I say that one of the tenors of success for me is not being jealous of other people's success. Mm. That's success for me. It's like, you know, for many years, everyone had something more better or different than I did. So, So that reflected in a way which said, maybe something's wrong with you and maybe you need to be fixed or maybe you'll never do it. So it left me with what I call disempowering conversations. So the more successful I am, the more free I am to be myself and to have people have what they have without judgment, assessment, or evaluation, or for me being somewhat jealous that they have that and I don't. So I'd say what success now for me at this point in my life is being permission to be fully myself without regard what other people think. That's what I would call success today. And that's where
0: I am. And how, so how has it evolved? Were were you looking at success at some point that was measured? Was there a time where you were looking at it strictly measured by financial success? Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
1: And I, even though I accomplished that, when I had my Porsche Cabriolet mm-hmm. with the windows that had, you know, defoggers on it. Sure, sure. But <laughs> wasn't that success? And the more I went down the material trail for myself, not for everybody, I found that the more I had, the less success I felt. And uh, then it became, uh, it went into what I call a vicious cycle. There's a wonderful body of workout by um, Lynn Twist. Uh, her two books and her courses are remarkable one is the soul of money and i you know what's enough is one of the questions that's asked in this in her books and in her course what is enough
0: mm-hmm.
1: if, for my answer now which is really interesting is that i always thought it was a material or measurable or had a metrics about enough but now i find out i am enough Mm-hmm. and so that you know that itself has been the, the the success that i have achieved i'm fine i'm good I, you know the souffle came out of the oven it's going to be the way it's going to be man you can't put it back what am i going to do with it and and so success for me is being able to be myself without regard for what other people think do or say just do my just that's success for me
0: So why do you do what you do today? I mean, you know, financially, you you've achieved what you needed or wanted to achieve. You sit here today, mature, and uh, you've been around the block and on, you know, you've been around the track a few times. So why?
1: I built the track.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You've graded the track, you've rebuilt the track. (laughs) So, so why do you do what you do? Now, assuming that, you know, yes, Everybody, we we deserve to get paid for the work that we do and all the rest of it. But I, I'm I'm making an assumption that, given the conversation, that the the financial side of it isn't the driver behind all this, and that's just an assumption. So
1: it's a, the finances are a have to, not a one to. You're right. Okay. Great question. Um, wisdom comes with curiosity. I can't learn by myself. Let me give you an example. I get home from a three-day workshop, really successful in in many ways, a a, a couple of screw-ups in the middle of it because it was our our launch. First time I worked with Alan in front of a room. And, you know, Alan can go anywhere. Alan Alan can go. But we figured out the dance, and by day three, we were George and Gracie. (laughs) We We were doing spectacularly well. And then I got home, and I saw something when I looked again at the people in the that I was working with and about Alan that they had humility. Hmm. And they said, well, you know, let's take a much deeper look at that. Cause we talk about that. What is it to be humble? And Cause most of the people I encounter initially are not very humble. They're always trying to prove themselves or compare themselves. So it, I, the reason I go to work and, and I like to write, so I write a ton of stuff and do this kind of thing, is it keeps on opening up new worlds to explore. I am the Starship Enterprise. You know, I am going out where no one has gone before to look at stuff. And for me, that's, uh, that's exploration. That's where the fun is. So I go to work every day. Yeah, I, I do love helping people. I do love having them make better decisions. I appreciate that I can relieve some of the ways that are straining their world. I know how to do that. I did that. But now I can see things in a way that may contribute to a larger whole and myself as well at the same time and be able to bring that to people. So I have that opportunity in front of me. So that's why I do what I do.
0: Now, Alan uh, lives in the world of understanding purpose, calling, operating system. Do you have that same Kind of thought process around having a calling um, or whatever you might refer to it as as a purpose is that is that something that is that a space that you live in, Mark?
1: Yeah, I, I have a little sign in my bathroom. The, the the purpose of life is a life with purpose, but the purpose isn't stagnant. You know, people. When we do purpose work, which Alan and I did this this course, it evolves. Mm-hmm. The purpose takes on new expressions. And you may take on a different form. There's something spiritual at the heart of a, of a purpose. And that um, keeps on expressing itself. And the purpose keeps on. First, for me, it was to help people keep their teeth. Then it was help dentists. So that if, you, if you help them, they would help be better dentists for the patients. Then it was alter the industry so that it does better for people so more people can see only 52 percent of the population could see a dentist in the us so then it kept on climbing then it's well i better work with some corporate structures because they have that influence and then i went up and down the supply chain and you know the purpose drives you but you may never get your all the nails in the coffin on that one it's just something that you know is trying to be expressed and you go deeper not outward but you know I don't know if that's <laughs> meant anything, but boy, that's exactly how I see it. Yeah, You need a purpose, but it isn't the end point. It's the, it's the pathway, and you're not sure where it will end up. Are you on purpose means not will I achieve what I set out to achieve. That's an intended result. The purpose is different. So I think my purpose is morphed into trying to help more people have better lives, if I had to say it today which would not be the way i would have said it a week ago or three yeah
0: well and i think there's another part of you know this you're actually taking on and and entering a body of work that is really trying to influence and have people have a better life that isn't just financially driven for example or material driven understanding that over your own years of being on this earth you personally have experienced or you've and you've worked with many who have experienced that if if money was the answer i mean that would be awesome but money isn't the answer it is it is one part of a way bigger conversation around why are we on this earth in terms of and how do we be happy how do we be a contribution how do we make a difference to others and what do we want to have in terms of happiness what really really makes us happy and this goes then comes around to it. It, like, so this sounds like a, quite a deep conversation, but it, it actually is such an important conversation in people having a, a great deal of success in their life. And, you know, money's one I, part I, of it.
1: I don't want to discount the power of money. In fact, I, I, I don't discount mean, it at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a manifestation of intention. If, if I need to see if I can move something into from intention into reality money's a pretty good metrics mm-hmm. i like it mm-hmm. when i'm working with clients that they want a lot of money okay that's the. You know, who am i to say right and but well, how come they're not and looking at that part of them that is saying or informing them that there are certain things that that they're unable to accomplish in order to have that money objective. That's what I want to look at, not how to get to the money objective. But what is it they say or see about themselves that is impeding their capacity to figure out how to get to the money and use money as the goal, not as the means. It's like, okay, you want that money? Let's see how you... uh, And this is not Braggiosho, but it's close. Uh, I made a lot of people a lot of money. <laughs> well, that's I, I'm great. okay with that. <laughs> yeah. You was know, okay.
0: Yeah. Good for you. I hear you know. I mean, the reason that that's a great conversation to have is that the whole premise of The Everyday Millionaire and this show is that the fact, what, what actually, it was born from the research and the realization that, Less than 1% of North America's population, even forget globally, because that really brings it down because of just population in different countries. But if you look at just North America, less than 1% of the population has achieved a true status of being a millionaire. Yet that's a pretty common goal to this day of uh, people wanting to achieve a financial result, at least have a, a million dollar net worth. That's, that's a goal of many. And if many, it's way bigger than it then goes into multi-millions or billions or whatever the conversation is. But having said that less than 1% of the population and who knows what percentage of the population is trying to achieve that goal, but you get to enter the conversation of going, okay, if money's the goal, if net worth is the goal, understand that you're part of what gets in the way of you achieving the goal and who you're being, how you're being journey that you're on personally, internally, like the, whether it be self-talk in terms of intellect or emotional, spiritual, uh, values, conversation, those are actually, that's more than understanding the tactic or strategy or the engineering and architecture of something is, is, am I explaining exactly. that in the context that you hold that Mark? Exactly.
1: It's it just, it's just an access point for me. Yeah. You know, they, they, if, if money, if it's relationship, if it's uh, leadership, if it's, you know, whatever, the capacity to hold the mirror up and take a really close look. Margaret Wheatley's book, The, the Leadership in the New Science, had a major influence on me, and I guess it was published 20 years ago, because it would explain chaos theory in layman's terms and made things pretty understandable for me. One of the things she described that in both quantum mechanics and chaos theory, there's an element called the field and the field attracts and displaces. Am I an attractor in the field drawing that level of success to me? And what do I need to change about me to become more an attractor in the field? That's what that book said. Oh, okay, Maybe it has. That's really the key. It isn't what you do, because if you're a, if you're not attracting it, no matter if it comes by you, it's going to pass you by like a comet passes through. You. So that was what I I think that we have multiple, multiple, multiple moments of these insights or these moments that change our lives. Now most people aren't looking for them uh, because they' they always discomfort you. They always change you. They always, you know it's kind of like cold water to who. I didn't expect that and <laughs> i know i'm on the right path
0: when i have that oh, okay so when you're doing you know in the work that you're doing what would be so if somebody's listening to this and wondering what the hell we're talking about and really looking at themselves and saying okay uh, you know I'll, I'll i'll drink this kool-aid for a minute and say it's all about me what questions would they be asking themselves do you think right now mark if you were can you put a can you give them a a little bit of a, you know, if you're, if you're having this conversation with yourself or maybe ask yourself this question or consider this, is there, do you?
1: Do yeah, you... I, would, I, I would begin with some practical exercises I think are helpful for them to begin to reflect because it's reflection that's going to give you insight. It doesn't happen, doesn't drop out of the sky. Um, my wife is another, probably far more brilliant than I am in terms of the work that she does. And she uses a model called the uh, inner critic. And the inner critic is that little voice in your head that tells you all the bad things about you that you don't want people to find out about you. But you do say those to yourself. Mm-hmm. I ask them to write those down first. What's your inner critic say about you? So then they notice that they have an inner critic. Like, oh, man, that's, that, you know, I do say that about me. And then we use that as the access point to go, what isn't? How did that? How did that come to be? Because now they have a deep interest because they see that this, in fact, may impede them in their capacity to have intentions be fulfilled. If I don't think I'm capable, it doesn't matter what I do. I just won't. If I don't think I can hit the ball, I'm not going to hit the ball. Mm-hmm. If I don't think I'm going to make the basket, I ain't going to make the basket. You know. So whatever's in the way of their thinking, they can't. They, they, although they say they want to, what's in the way of them not? what's that interference so I, I begin with very practical ways of having them look at themselves because it's valid for every human being
0: mm-hmm.
1: i mean i don't know what do you know any human being that does not have an inner critic
0: I, I i know of no human being that i've spoke with that we've gotten into a conversation that at some level doesn't have a conversation with themselves about where they're not enough exactly it's always that.
1: We'll start, we'll start where they are. Yeah, start
0: where they are. Where do you think you're not enough? You know, and start there. And no, that's all bullshit.
1: <laughs> well, no, no I, don't, I don't drive it there. That's interesting. I don't drive it there.
0: Where do you drive it? Where do you?
1: Drive it? it
0: ain't bullshit to them. Well, no, Oh, absolutely. But you have to know that it's that's not your, your inner voice. Your conversation that you're having with yourself is your story. It's not necessarily <laughs> the truth.
1: I I don't use go down that tunnel. I go down another tunnel. Hmm. I I, I think I, one of the jobs that I have, and one of the things that this whole thing happens with wisdom is you create sanctuary for people, Mm -hmm. safety for people. You can't communicate without that being in place. Yeah. It just doesn't work. And here are these people that are mightily successful, that are stuck, that are overwhelmed, that are, you know, like, is that all there is? There's lots of stuff. And now you're asking them to look at the, things that have sometimes have overcome to get where they are. So there are episodes where they have overcome that internal conversation. So I go where they ask them to give me an example of one or two of those episodes. And when they do, I say, what was different about you? You overcame this internal conversation. And that opens my door. That opens my, where I take them down. Because now they're engaged. They see that they have and they see that they haven't. So you, now you're coming to this place called choice and choice is the headwater of responsibility. And responsibility yields to commitment. So I have my models that I use to take them down that track. Sure. Um, and once they change one thing, once they, re- I'll say it in my own way, sorry about these listeners. Once they restore integrity to their core value rather than their inner critic, results always happen it's really quite simple
0: that's brilliantly said though but because that is yeah that that's brilliant i got nothing to add to that one because that's how i see it and i align with that 100 percent. how old are you how old am i i am 61 years young how's that
1: so what you what would you say your greatest lesson was learned in the
0: last year oh gosh that's an easy one for me because it's right in my face i gotta ask you how old you are though mark it's only fair
1: I will be 75, April 29th, 1945. Wow. About 10 minutes ago, you
0: used the word mature.
1: And interestingly enough, there there's the, my generation, the ones that were born prior to the end of World War II are called matures. Mm. The older I get, the wiser I get, and then I know I have less time with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's something about wisdom that's so delicious at this point in my life. Uh, um, besides contributory and being able to expand do the things that I do, I also have a a deeper appreciation for life and gratitude and things that mean more to me now than they did ten years ago or twenty years
0: ago. Isn't that true? That just and I think that can only come with age. So you're very young, seventy five, and and I love that. You know, it's so so awesome. Yeah. I love that energy and and being youthful. And I'm blessed. My my mother, who's ninety one is uh still very very young like it's crazy how present she is and she reads and she does crossword puzzles and you know she she actually went bowling at 90 years old just and the reason she went bowling was she just to (laughs) prove to herself she could do it and and then she then she actually bragged a little bit about breaking 100 i thought it was awesome
1: (laughs) we can't pass this out yeah was there something about uh, because i do work in wisdom i do work in aging sure things that and we talked about purpose a lot. Yeah. When you have a purpose like your mother has, that I can still do it. I, I'll do it. I can do it. That that purpose is is one of the things I find that's the distinction between an age person and a sage person. Mm. Mm-hmm. Is the, you know, I don't want to get too scatological, but fuck it. I'm going to go do that.
0: Yeah. That's, you know, yeah. I, I don't
1: care if I'm 90 mm-hmm. and there's a kind of aliveness that comes with that that keeps them alive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's remarkable. So I, that's another lesson learned Just stay on purpose.
0: Yeah. So the so back to the original question, which, what did I have I learned in the past year? This was a real, this hit me so hard. And I've been at the effect of it for a year now, which was really around I was so pissed off at myself when I got to it because I understand, I believed I understood my core values. I believed um, I was really clear on my values. I actually was, but I compromised my values. And you know, what does that mean? Well, It means that I compromised my values. I lived out of integrity and I operated out of integrity with my values and knowing it, but not knowing it was really deep down, pushed it. Like I, you know, now it's so obvious back to, back to the hero's journey i look at the path that got me here and it's so clear where i just absolutely shit the bed on that one and went like i go and i look at it go fuck i'm so and i had to get over being angry with myself i've gotten over that by the way you know got to own it and move on and and put in the corrections and make the changes and and so it's easy so that's why i have so much empathy and compassion for people who actually go down that path or, or don't even realize that they're doing it because it can happen and, and um, no excuses, but it was, it, it kicked my ass still to this day. I'm still like, even right now, I know that I'm at the effect of it emotionally, spiritually, like it really hurt. And I was so angry with myself about doing it. So.
1: Well, there are practices that you have associated with each core value. They may not be clearly defined at this point. That. That be okay there's two other areas to look at if you're really going to have the compass be your core values and that is just to set up some structures around it one is to ask people if you had to guess my core values what would you say they are because your behavior is a reflection of your core values they know
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's one of the exercises we do with people mm-hmm. the other is to um, you know take a look at the decisions you're making. I would say take your core values and put them in a wheel-like structure and then put the spokes towards the hub. Leave the hub blank. And then every time you need to make a decision about money, cars, women, time, whatever the hell you have to decide, take your the question or your issue and put it in the middle. And if it doesn't connect with all the spokes of your core values, don't do it.
0: A hundred percent. you'll suffer. 100%.
1: So when I say build a structure, our structure is, hey, if, if it doesn't fit, we don't do it. That's a, it becomes policy, too. Mm-hmm. Most people are core value uh, idealists, but they're not core value driven. Mm-hmm. So
0: that's a, And that's a really great point. When we look at values or when you, in in individuals, as you talk about values, you know, one of the questions that I was asked early on many, many years ago when I actually worked with A a coach, and I've always had a coach to some level at some degree, but this was many years ago, and it was really instrumental in my life. Which was, who are you in the context of your life? That was a question we asked, and you actually had to define who you are in the context of your life based on your values. Now, values change, and they evolve, and they shift. Your your core values even start to take on a life of their own. That's my story around it, based on what's going on in your life at the time. But my point is this, is there there is a fundamental question that I was asked and I, I've mentioned on the show before, which is, are you willing to be misunderstood in the context of your life? Because what happens when you start to take a stand, and this probably happened to you when you had that pivotal moment, uh, is all of a sudden there's people that just can't be in your life anymore because you don't share common values anymore. It is really truly are you willing to be misunderstood because you're going to get criticized. You're going to, you family, friends, whoever it might be are going to judge you to your point is that success is when I'm not at the effect of, and don't give a shit about people judging me. And that's it. Those are big, big journeys and big conversations, big realizations. And a lot of, that's, that's a hard work. Yes. You
1: know, I could add to that a, a lot, but the answer is yes. I, I, I purpose is a, we're doing a, we're, Alan and I are creating another course because we like working together.
0: As two. <laughs> Alan's fun to work with. There's no yeah, doubt about it. But
1: it's going to be called Business is a Spiritual Practice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because we think there's, when you bring the core values in, core values have a legacy. They are eternal. They're not your core value. Integrity, responsibility, service, whatever ones you've chosen
0: mm-hmm.
1: have been in existence for a millennial. Mm-hmm. And... and so something that has that heritage um also has uh, eternal meaning and things that are eternal are also spiritual so there's something about keeping the core values and if you look at successful businesses and all the books and they, they talk about it but does it live at that level that deeper level of being of heart of gut you know is it down are, are the core values here not here. That's the that's the real question. Companies that can get them down here, they're going to win. Did you did you ever read a, Tim Collins's book, How the Mighty Fall?
0: Oh no, I've I have heard of it, and but oh. I have never read it.
1: It's, it's a core value. It makes you very right about core values.
0: <laughs> awesome. Can you do <laughs> the okay? So, Mark, the realization that I had is that we were kind of maybe operating and having this conversation on around a fundamental which is that people know what core values are or what values are like. There are definitely people that don't understand even what a core value is. Can you describe them?
1: You have to. So in the work that I do, I call the, I call the phenomenon a distinction when you see it for the first time and it is alive as itself. That's a distinction. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can have concept, but concept doesn't, Change your behavior, change who you are. It has to be distinguished. So it's easy for me. What I do is I ask what pe- what pisses people off.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they'll find one or two things. And they say, if the, you see it in the mall, does it piss you off if you see it? Yeah, okay. What is the value that's behind that? So now they begin to relate value to how they see the world and how their emotionality is about the world. Well, what does piss you off? Mm-hmm. You know, when I see someone yelling at their kid, when I, you know, or treating their, mistreating their kid, it's obvious to me. There's a value that promotes that uh, discomfort when I see that value not being expressed. You have kids, you know, <clears throat> that's how you train your children. You train your children out of, out of values. Don't do that because there's a value behind it saying that that's inappropriate. Or that was really great when you acknowledge them because there's a value that's being acknowledged. So you're always coming from values. So the first thing I do is take a look at, you know, to try to identify quote, distinguish what are the values that you're operating out of now. And that's, so it takes a while to get, but you get there doing it through this process. And then what are the values that you can't keep? What are the values that are just fantasies? You know, what are those things? You know, what is that value? Health, for an example. You know, I, I have a value of health. Well, that's why you're eating Doritos. I mean, it shows up in behavior. So what are the behaviors that are counter to your values? And we go through that process. And pretty soon they have a, a, a relationship to core value that's different than their intellectual. It's It's physiologic now. And then we get into, okay, let's create core values in the future. You don't need to be stuck in the past. And then how to build structures to keep those in place. So that's the model that I use. And it works for me. I'm I'm pretty
0: happy with it. So core values. I want to get to, you know, you, you make an interesting point is that people will make a comment, for example, and you use that example. You know, well, one of my core values is health. One of my core values is family. Those are pretty common we We hear those often, and yet those same individuals you have to point out well, if core if your core value is health, uh, how often are you going to the gym? Are you in fact eating right? Are you managing your weight? Because if it was truly a core value, you would actually could only operate that way. And then the other core value of family. okay, let's talk about that for quite later. true. There are areas
1: where I breach core values all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100%. But I am so sensitive because I'm living my core value and I could feel it. It's like,
0: oh, I can't believe I did that. I think that's a great point. But that's that that your core value still becomes. So I've always been a bit of a fitness and health guy. I'm very, very sensitive to my fitness and my health. And do I am I, you know, am I like every day doing it? Of course not. I go through periods of time where I do. And then I go through periods of time where I'm not, where for I won't be as physical for all the reasons that I have for not being as physical. Am I regimented? Am I so disciplined? No, I don't compromise my own, you know, my, the, the lifestyle or who I, what I feel like doing. I actually listen to my body that way. But my point is this, is that if that's a core value at some level, you honor it more than you don't honor it. Or
1: maybe it uses you and you, and you either resist being used by it or you uh, surrender to it.
0: Or then is it, but okay, this is a great conversation. I'm really on a learning curve here. So then is it a core value? Yeah. Why? How can it be I, a core value? I I honor my core values because
1: I'm, of, I'm trying to do this in a, in, in a nice fashion.
0: Well, don't don't worry about being nice. Help. I mean, no. I, and
1: the language is just as you said uh, uh, 45 minutes ago. The power of language is remarkable. Yeah. I know that how I articulate the answer to this has has will create a future for will
0: create a certain understanding. Perfect. Understood. Um, Great. So, ask you a question again you had suggested that my my conversation is around a core value is that yes, a core value could be health. We're using that as an example, but ultimately you don't necessarily live. You can't, you don't necessarily live it every day for all the reasons you don't, but you always go back to it because you're drawn back to it. You don't feel good about not being and living your core value called health. So I talked about the example of how I eat, how I train, what i'm doing although i have different degrees of that sometimes i'm hugely intense and i'm working out every day i'm measuring food i'm really really aware of what i'm eating or not eating and sometimes i i i I go away to less intensity but i'm never not there so that's a core value
1: hard to resist the pasta (laughs) (laughs)
0: And but so my point is this is core, is that
1: value isn't a thing so you know the first the hardest thing for people to understand is they their concept of a core value is it is some thing integrity responsibility service so one of the jobs that I am have to move to is to move it not only from a noun a thing but also to a verb mm-hmm. And because it manifests itself in very in many different actions. Not doing it, doing it, doing it insanely, you know, every day getting on the scale, to, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: moves. But it's, there's something pushing it. Mm-hmm. There's something driving that action. There's something driving that emotion that comes with that. What is that? And th- th- so to keep on um, distinguishing, elucidating their core value, and then... How do they enhance their capacity to sustain and adhere and to that core value? How do they do that? What would be the things that they could do? So you take them through a particular cycle, at least I do. And that leaves them with, well, if I'm really if this really is a core value, I could do this, I could hire a trainer and spend for the next 90 days and see how that you works. Know, you, you can come up with an action plan.
0: So here's, but okay, so let's go back a little bit on this conversation. I love this conversation. I have no idea what my listeners think about it, but I love this conversation because I think it is so important. And because of what we do within Rain and and how I work with and see so many individuals who are trying to achieve different levels of success for all the stuff, we talk about core values. So let's keep, let's just go back to the health core value. So you're working with somebody and they say to you, you know, one of my core values is health. And you go, well, that's interesting. You're, you're significantly overweight. You smoke. How often do you train? I don't. Well, then, that's, then that is in fact a, how do you hold that? Because it's not really, it is a bit of an integrity conversation because that's where you're in fact not in alignment with what, you know, what you're, you're not congruent with what you're saying and your actions. So is it really a core value or is it, a, I want it to be a core value? That's, I guess, that's where I'm. I'm trying to learn through this too, Mark.
1: It's okay. great. You got to get down to the heart of the matter. Is it a core value, or is it do I want to it be because it's a good thing to have? Mm-hmm. Core value. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, you have to probe, and you also have to see it demonstrated on the field. If, if you know, in the next month, if the core value is relit and it truly is one, you know, how will we know? How would somebody else know that it's there? So we begin to take a look at a broader perspective. Again, I bring it back to the emotion, too. So there's a lot of people that say they go, they're going to go to the gym that never make it, but they don't stay home at night and, go and, and beat themselves up about it. And mm-hmm. Sometimes core values are, the, are, are not your friends. They're the ones that knock you on the head saying, hey, you said you would do that, mm-hmm. and you're not doing that. So how do you feel when you don't go to the gym? So I can go in, in, inside of that vector as well. Uh, so behavior is a good one. Emotion is another one. Language, if I have the right uh, person in front of me, how do you talk about this value? Many times it's appropriate to ask the second and third question. So yes. you say health is a value for you. What does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. What are the words you, you need? You, you could use, not using the words you previously used, to talk about it again? So that you have to see where it's coming from. So there's some, you know, and if you did NLP and you had some sense about where they're coming from, all that comes together. But a true core value is, um, is a quest. It has no top. There's no mountain with a top here. I will never have absolute integrity. But every day I'm going to work to be integritous because I'm now doing my values. A Responsibility mm-hmm. It's one of my values. But, you know, sometimes I'm irresponsible. Mm-hmm. You know, do the things i should do i you know but it brings me back to course puts me back on the track puts me back down the path and how we line it up the how we line up the tracks is you know what's your purpose alan calls it your calling what's your purpose and then we parallel that what we're speaking about here is doing the same thing with the company with whatever the corporate entity might be but you know what what's the purpose of the company and what are the core values of the
0: company? And that's but this, all. <laughs> but, but that's here, but, mom that's, mom but that, to mom. me that's I mean that's brilliant. And that is really, you know, for in, in my own belief system and what I've observed is it's it's really integral to, you know, the success in business and having a very fulfilling life is is you're setting an intentionally creating a context for your life, mindfully, thoughtfully, you know, all of those words that say I'm present to who I'm being, how I'm being, where I want to go to my values. I actually understand my core values, whether, whether I'm living them every day, at least I have that path and that journey that I travel. And part of the journey is in fact Mastery is coming to a place where you're living your values more than you're not living your values, or that you're even having an awareness of it. And we also know that whatever you measure success as in, you know, in business, it's profitability and environment, culture. Do you have a great place to work? And but all of those come from the core values of the business, which come from the core value of the leader. And and that's the work that you and Alan really embrace because you've seen it. I mean, th- that comes with you know once again maturity. It comes with years on Earth. It comes with just a, a lot of practice. I mean, you both, you and Alan, have, have worked you know, with thousands.
1: The, the, the Dalai Lama was only six when he was anointed, so let's look at his age. Back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're right. There there are <laughs> there there certainly are spiritual uh, prodigies. You know that that show up for sure.
1: And Um, there are people that are just waiting to take the cover off that are way younger, so they don't have to go. Totally, a lot of life experience to get to where I've gotten to.
0: Yeah. I'm always very impressed with those individuals, those young people that just, I'm going, where did you get this from? Like how, you know, this is pretty profound. I love watching and seeing that happen. This isn't to make, I think for me in this particular podcast, Mark, and having somebody like you and Alan, when I do have you, join me is that you come with a knowingness and a philosophy and a view of life. I think that if people can embrace it, not being heard, not having anybody be hearing this as being made wrong, but to investigate, to reflect, as you said earlier, on on who they are, who are they being. It's like, it's like the dad or the mom, doesn't matter, who says, you know, one of my highest values is my family. And I don't doubt that for a moment, by the way. Like, I never question that. But the reality and sometimes the harsh reality is if family was truly your highest value, then you ask the question, you know, what time do you leave for work? What time do you get home? You know, where do you see your kids? Where, you know, what is the priority? And as you dig into it, as you ask those questions, the realization is, is that they're carrying the guilt around that they're, in fact, family is way down the list. They want it to be up the list, you know, to, you know, so it's, that's the kind of the evolution of work that gets in the way of most people having the success that they truly want in their life oh we have
1: how much more time do we have
0: <laughs> you know maybe we'll do it in two parts well let's just keep going for now i'll just did i open up a can of worms here mark or what
1: I, I ended on this note that may be his true core value and he has other uh, other things that are pressing in on him the question that i go to is not when do you leave the house? When do you come home? How many weekends do you spend with your kids? I, th- that takes it down a place where they may, in fact, begin to judge themselves that there is something wrong with them because mm-hmm. they're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. So I know from my experience of working with people, wrong path. I, and again, I ask the second question. So what, what is family to you? Mm-hmm. And, how, and when you are in there and with, with that, how does it feel? Mm-hmm. How often is that feeling available to you? Mm-hmm. Is there a way you can put it in place more frequently? So giving them a pathway to express that value rather than try to set up a set of instructions to do it right or to compare it to, I find to be more useful. No one. Could, it, when I was younger, I wanted to be older. Mm. When I was older, I wanted to be younger.
0: Mm-hmm. now i am the right age mm-hmm. brilliant the question of uh, you know that I, I think it was a great balance so you're you're as you speak you're speaking as if somebody is in your presence and you're creating a space for them
1: well, i'm an elder now
0: you're an elder I, i'm speaking as a podcast host that is encouraging people to ask themselves some questions. I love what you added to what I said because it really expanded on the conversation, which is don't make yourself wrong. This isn't about making anybody wrong or feeling guilty. It's actually unpacking what a core value is and having a conversation with yourself to say, do I need support? Do I do I need coaching? Am I on the right path? Am I you know, and to have a look at where you are in the satisfaction of your life and are you on, is the trajectory the, where you see, you know, is are you happy with the trajectory of your life? Because when we look at success in business, as we've talked about, at, even at the highest corporate levels, the big corporations, let alone the many listeners who are on this call, who are entrepreneurs or real estate investors, is understanding that you're the you know, you're the pointy end of the arrow and, and and so that you are driving and, you know, the wake you leave and the impact you have is you're, uh, you're, you know, you're accountable for that. You're responsible for those results. And when we look at ourselves I, that way.
1: I, uh, the thing for me that I've learned is people are people, are, two things. People are people and I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. I got all the same shit that they got. So yeah. who am I? Yeah. Then the second is my job is to take them down a path that's going to give them freedom, peace, ease, and grace with themselves. Because when they're in that state, are you in capital rights, something like that? Yeah.
0: yeah. Freedom, peace. Well, I'm sorry, to say it again.
1: But it's like a baseball player. They've got yeah. to be present. Yes. They can't have the stuff going on. And the, the more they can, what you call, unpack the stuff, that they can, but they have to put it in, in storage. They can't bring it out of storage. They've mm-hmm. got to be able to discipline themselves. When you move into a new house, you go to where the light switches used to be, mm-hmm. because that's very convenient. Yeah. You have to retool yourself to figure out. Oh, it's not on the right; it's on the left. you know. And after a year, you know, you don't do the same mistake. It's the same thing here with core values. It's a discipline. It's over time. It's a process. It's tough. the companies I work with. We do core part of their performance review is how are people embedding and expressing the core values on a scale of one to 10? I mean, if you're going to be core value driven, be core value driven, don't be core value hypocritical. Mm-hmm. So we have a whole set of models that we use for corporate expression of the values. If, but you said in the very beginning, which is if the leader isn't the core value, it ain't going to be expressed downstream. Mm-hmm. So that has to show up first. and then the senior executive team and then the directors and then the board particularly as well. Core values decide how you decide. and so mm-hmm. it takes psychology, personality, emotionality to a less degree, rightfulness, wrongfulness, a judgment assessment. It, takes, it moves it to a much less potent place when core values are the drivers in a business. So I'm really clear about that core values decide how you decide will that decision that you are going to make as a team impact and be in line with these core values that you said that run the company i mean that it becomes more black and white so you get a certain freedom the ability to say no and yet zones of gray there always is but this is a helpful conversation to have
0: this is um I love this conversation and, and the realization and the other thing that you said, you know, we all got our shit, you know, we all got our stuff going on. It's just, you know, it's, we have a view of the world. We've done some work that sometimes is a body work that people can hear and, and go, Oh, maybe this is something that I've got to look at, but in the world of understanding and working with so many, and it, you, you start to see that success is, is often or most often driven by to your point is who we're being not necessarily what we're doing and the doingness of stuff but who we're being the journey that we have because the goal is the goal and and there there's the cliche is so correct it's not the goal it's who you have to become to achieve the goal and that one just really always resonates that that particular statement is such a grounding factor for me it always goes back to that for me
1: We should move in together.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, Mark, I've taken up a lot of your time. I appreciate the conversation. And and as I wind down the show, I do a little bit of a a final segment, um, which is, is really meant to be rapid fire. They seldom are, but sometimes we get rapid fire. So you ready for some rapid fire questions? I am
1: ready. I know I'm used to you. I'm ready for you.
0: Okay, here we go. So we've talked, we've actually mentioned a number of books, but is there a book that you're reading that you like to gift or that was, or was the most impactful book for you? Is there one that stands up?
1: You know, when you read a book, you're ready for the book and then it disappears into whatever it disappears into. I think from, I don't know your listeners, but it doesn't
0: matter. What is it for you?
1: Well, I, I don't think that way, actually. I, I, oh. Some books I read, I, w- I wouldn't recommend to anybody. Mm. They're esoteric or they're scientific. And, you know, sure. The one that I would recommend that, that had powerful impact on me was Ego
0: is the Enemy. Ah, me too. Okay. I've uh, so, uh, so, recommended that one many times. And the,
1: other one, the other one is Leadership and um, Self-Deception of mm. the Artinger Group. Those yeah. two.
0: I, I actually I recommended uh, "Ego is the Enemy" to Alan Kahn, and he read it. He wasn't a big fan, I, and, and I never followed up with him to know why. It doesn't matter. I, well, it, <laughs> only because Alan's a friend, I always go. he's I have Alan,
1: a, I, have a I can. Law, if it doesn't grab you in the first sixty pages, close it yeah. up.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Throw, it yeah. Okay. throw it away. Okay. Don't throw it away. Paid for. What's, it. Your, what's your favorite swear word?
1: Oh, absolutely, fuck every day. Yeah.
0: Favorite inspirational quote? Do you have one?
1: Hmm. You know, that's an interesting question. The last one I read, I believe, was uh, Howard Schultz's Onward. I, I I like to feel what leaders feel to have created what they have created. So that's inspirational for me, is to, is to be inspired by another. He was inspiring.
0: On a scale of one to ten, how weird are you? Oh, I'm off the charts. You're off the charts. Yeah. I I don't agree, but I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Weird are you? That's what are you not what are you not very good at? Oh, my
1: list is long. Everything I'm not good at, I hire for. <laughs> so I'm not good at numbers. Yes. Yeah. I'm not good at budgets. I'm not good at P and L's. I'm not good at balance sheets. I'm not good at I, I'm okay at logistics and production. Uh, I'm terrible at organization. I'm brilliant at creativity and the things that I do, that I love to do. I've Mm -hmm. reached a part of my life which is, this is success for me. I can do what I want to do.
0: That's awesome. Your room, your desk, or your car, what do you clean first?
1: Well, room, my desk, or my car. Uh, The room and desk are unified. So... um, I believe structural conversations are really critical to the success of the, of the delivery of the work. So my office is somewhat and mostly impeccable. I keep things in piles if I can't get to them. I don't strewn them around. But I feel guilty that I don't get to them. So
0: <laughs> that's okay, so we know. Yeah, so yeah, I would like do sit down to some place I want to be. Do you have a favorite tune?
1: Favorite tune? Uh, yeah, I... Um, my favorite group called weather report mm-hmm. and there's an opening piece and i can't remember the name of it but uh and for me uh there's a tom petty song the heart i don't have total recall at this moment in time
0: no, tom uh, petty's good doesn't matter it seems um, what the song is
1: something about you know taking a stand be the mm-hmm. stand that you take don't mm-hmm. back The song is don't back down
0: don't back down
1: Although that's my you know if i had to look at a theme song if I had to walk into Carnegie Hall and I had to play a song to represent who I think I am, that would be the song I'd play.
0: Do you have a favorite movie?
1: Yeah, I do. I, uh, this is a little historical. I, uh, in the Years ago, I was a drama arts major and was going to be a star in Hollywood. And my hero was Paul Newman. Hmm. And, you know, cool hand Luke.
0: Yeah, great movie great movie you know
1: was uh, was the, the epitome of what I, of who I thought I might turn out to be
0: yeah that is a that is an excellent movie so if heaven exists what do you want to hear god say when you get to the gates good job and what are you grateful for today mark
1: mm, that's such a great question
0: i always wake up grateful
1: for my wife mm. The one that moves me every day. Why would someone love me so much? Is often a question that goes <laughs> off in my head. And I don't <laughs> <they> really know. <laughs> uh, I'm grateful for having this opportunity to speak. And to someone, in, in my view, speaking is more powerful than listening. And listening determines the speaking that's available. And your listening allowed me to speak myself more fully so that i could express myself and feel that i have made some shift or difference or left someone with something they didn't have before so that's that's gratitude for me
0: i'm always grateful for my guests on the show i can't help it i just love the guests that i have on my show and i always have a lot of gratitude for that you know to your Point. I join you uh, in having a lot of gratitude for my wife, and we never even got into the conversation about wives because you know, for us, there's such a impactful, important part of our lives. But I think it's uh, significant others, wives, husbands, who we are as couples, and those kinds of relationships. I think are one awesome. of
1: the things that we that we have instituted is we do a couples workshop every year, my wife and I, um, because you keep on draining it. And not replenishing it, and it needs to be refilled. Be and and it needs to be grown beyond where it is right now to something that will call forth people that you know committing and communicating and loving. What is that future that that couple it can be designed for? So yeah, I you know I don't know who I'd be without relationships like that. I, yeah, normally do.
0: Brilliant. Well, Mark, thank you so much again for your time and uh, been been great to get to know you. This is really, you know, this was me getting to know a lot about Mark today too. So I appreciate that.
1: All right, buddy. If Thanks for being a support. Doing,
0: <laughs> Thanks, man. You take care. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others, share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo@raincanada.com. At That's c e o r e i n canada.com. I look forward to hearing from you and until next time, patrick O.